views about death is an atheistic view. And they say the grave is the end of all men. We're just another animal that is born, lives, and then dies, and there's absolutely nothing afterwards. Boy, isn't that fun. How, how, how could anyone... Wow. That, but there's, there's folks that would say that. I don't know if they really believe it. I'm, I'm still not convinced. I'm, you know, atheists say they don't believe in God, but I'm not sure God believes in atheists because I'm not... I, I, there, what, what was the old saying? There are no atheists in foxholes? Uh, it's amazing. It's amazing how those who claim to be atheists will call out for God in a, in a moment of need. Uh, there's others who believe in, in reincarnation, the reincarnationist, and there are many Eastern religions that teach this view, and they state that, that when somebody dies, that they'll be reincarnated or, or they'll come back as someone or something else, and that this is, this is, this is an ongoing thing, and it goes on and, until they reach nirvana, which would be, I guess, perfection, or when they reach that state of nirvana. And, uh, and, and it, may take, it may take a couple of lifetimes in different ways, or it may take... Centuries and centuries and centuries of this. And it's strange that someone could believe something like that with absolutely no founding, no, no grounding. No, where would that be revealed that that is the, the case? But there are those who would believe that. And then there's the Christian belief. And the Christian belief based on biblical teaching is, is that all people except for the saved taken at the rapture will die and, and will be re- resurrected from the dead. And that all will be changed from our present corruptible state to an incorruptible state where, where they will live for eternity in either heaven or in hell. Okay, so that would be, that's our view based on the scriptures. So how does Paul's teaching here about death apply to our lives today? Well, let's go back and look first, a little background again in the book of Corinth here, or the book of Corinthians, as Paul's writing to the church there in Corinth. See, one of the many issues that Paul had to deal with after establishing that church in Corinth was their belief concerning death and the resurrection. And, and Corinth was in the center of what is called Epicurean philosophy. And that, that philosophy it taught that there really was, there's no eternity. And so men should, you know, you should just eat, drink, and, and be merry. Eat, drink, and be as merry as you possibly can uh, while you can for, for as long as you're alive. For when you die, that's it. That's it. That's all she wrote. It's, it's over. That's what they would have said. And this philosophy had filtered its way into the church in Corinth. Now, there were people who believed that and then came to faith in Christ or professed a faith in Christ and then came into the church, and they were still holding on to some of these old beliefs. And so some were teaching that there was no resurrection from the dead. They were saying these are folks who either are falsely professing or they're professing that they have a, a real salvation, but they haven't come to the knowledge of all truth here. And they would say there's no resurrection from the dead. And they would say, well, you can believe in Jesus and believe that he, wrote, he died on the cross as a sacrifice for sins, but don't believe that he rose again or that as believers, uh, we will rise again. Now, folks, if you don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you don't have salvation, period. Just period. Any more than, and listen, there's some things that are very key in, in, in understanding for salvation. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, he wasn't God. And if he wasn't God, he can't save us. He couldn't, he couldn't have died for our sins. If Jesus wasn't sinless, then folks, he wasn't God. You know, I see surveys that come out now that, that they survey Christians. I don't know what, who they're surveying. I really don't, because I don't know any really Bible-believing, born-again believers who don't believe that Jesus was sinless. Because if you don't believe Jesus is sinless, then what you're saying is he wasn't God. And again, if he isn't God, he can't save us. You're still lost. People would say that they believe that you know, Jesus was this or that, but he wasn't uh, virgin born. Folks, if he wasn't virgin born, he was not God. And he could not save us. And if any of those are true, he's still in the grave and he can't save us anyway. 
Okay, so so this is what was going on. And, and to believe that, it inevitably leads to the conclusion that there is no heaven or hell. If we just die and that's all there is, then there is no heaven, there's no hell. We're not going anywhere after we die. And so how can, how can you believe in Jesus? So this is where this leads to. People would get to, well, how can you really believe in Jesus who is teaching about heaven and hell when in fact there is no heaven and hell? So he would have been a liar about these things. So how can I believe in a liar? And that's where this leads. And so this teaching and belief uh, about there not being a resurrection was a cancer that had to be dealt with. And Paul does that here in chapter 15. So that's the background of what's going on and what was going on in Corinth, why he's dealing with that. Now, I'll say this. Everyone will live uh, eternally. Amen? Amen? Everyone is going to live eternally somewhere. You're gonna, now, now live, and we'll get to that. But you're going to understand everyone will live eternally somewhere. Paul brings a detailed defense of his beliefs in the resurrection, not only of Jesus only, but because of the resurrection of Jesus, the fact that all people will be resurrected. And that's what we're going to see in these verses. Again, going back to verse 21, it says, For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order... Christ the firstfruits, after that they, uh, they that are Christ at His coming. Now, what a great hope we have in Jesus' resurrection, amen? Uh, he, he is the firstfruits of all who will rise. He's the firstfruits. Now, the, I know Pat, uh, uh, Raymond taught on this recently about the firstfruits in, in, in his small group. And it's, it's a very well-known Old Testament term. If you go back and write this down, Leviticus chapter 23, verses 9 and 10, it's where we see this. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land which I will give you and reap its harvest, then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. Now I tell you, it's a little bit of a principle of like tithing. Okay, so the principle for us for tithing is you bring the first. Don't wait to the end. Don't bring God what's left over. Commit to God what you're going to give Him and make that be the first thing that comes out of your check. Your increase. Give that to the Lord. And what it was, was it was a bringing of, if, if it's wheat or whatever it was, it was bringing a sheaf. It was bringing some of that, that the first that had ripened, the first that had come up. And when you see those, you know, anybody ever sown grass? I've sown grass. I don't have a lot of luck sowing grass. Now wait, now wait, now wait. Bahia is the worst. It takes six weeks for that stuff to come up. But when it comes up, man, it's exciting. You sit and you like you get excited because there's a little, there's some little bit of it popping up right here, and then you get excited about it because you know what's going to happen is all of that that was sown is going to come up. It's, that's the first fruits. So they gather those first fruits, those first sheaves, and they would take them, and it would be an offering that they would give to the Lord. And, the, and the, they would take it to the priest. And the priest, the priest was going to wave it before the Lord. And it was, it was that. It was acknowledging that this is the first that God's giving. It's the first. And it means there's a whole bunch more coming. Amen. Okay? That, was, that was really this, this premise of, of the first fruits. And so the Lord is, he's, he is the first fruits of all who arise. He was the first so let's look at this biblical example of first fruits. Now, sometimes there's the question, uh, is death inevitable? Is it inevitable? And the short answer is yes. It's inevitable. Uh, death is a direct consequence of the fall. 
It's a direct consequence of the fall. If Adam and Eve didn't, don't fall in sin, Adam and Eve are still living just like they were then. They would have been in incorruptible bodies. They would have been in sinless bodies. They would have been sinless beings. But they fell in sin. And with that, one of the consequences was death. And so when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, part of that, their, their discipline that God gave them was this. And it says it in Genesis 3.19, In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. What did, uh, what did God, how did God make Adam? Dust of the ground, right? He just drew, it had to be, it had to be in Georgia. I wonder about the Garden of Eden because you'd think it has to be in Georgia, that red, that red Georgia clay, you know, and put that together and breathed into man life. But it's just, we're just dust. That's all we are. It says, till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are. You want to get puffed up about how great you are? There's your verse. The Lord said, dust you are. That's all we are, folks. Without, without God's blessing, without His breath of life, without His touch, without His spirit, with all that, we're nothing more than dust. It says, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Adam's sin brought sin and death to all men. The moment they fell into sin, they died spiritually. Boom. Spiritually dead. They also began to die physically. At that moment, that, that, that they would have never known sickness. Now they would know sickness. They would know aging. They would know the results of aging. Amen. Aren't those glorious? Yes. I used to, you know, 10 years ago, I talk about getting older when I was like, well, I was older more than 10 years ago. But when I talk about being like 40 and I'd have to, the room would go, oh, you know, like they feel so sorry for me. All right. I'm 55. It's, it's different. 55 is Raymond. 55 is different than 45 was. And it's a whole lot different than 25 was. Okay? Amen? Amen. So thank you, Adam and Eve. Just wonderful, wonderful. And we're inheriting what, they, what came upon them because of their fall. So Adam, he was the first fruits of all who sin and will die. For since by man came death, and for as in Adam all die. In Adam. That's a key phrase right there. Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. We are all born with a sin nature. Amen? We're all born with that, meaning that, that we, are, we are from birth, we are enslaved already to sin. You know, there are those that will teach you, oh, you're born sinless and, you know, you don't have, you're, you don't have any sin. It, you become a sinner when you sin. No, no, no. That'd be like saying a dog becomes a dog when it barks. Oh, it barks. It's a dog. No, no, no. It barks because it is a dog, folks. It, dogs are born dogs and they bark because they're dogs. We sin because we are sinners. We don't become sinners because we commit sin. We are sinners. And the sin just comes naturally. It's not something you have to learn. Amen? Um, a little illustration. we got a lot of little ones in the church. And uh, you know what? We don't have to teach children to sin, do we? If your children, if you've had, had children, you know that, that you don't have to teach them to sin. That little blessing. <laughs> they're perfect. I mean, they're just perfect. They're adorable. They're wonderful. And, and, they're, and they're, man, they could never do anything wrong. And then, and then one day, then one day comes along and there's disobedience and rebellion and pride and lying and stealing and cheating and fits of rage and violence. 
And that's all before they're two. <laughs> Amen? Amen? You don't have to teach them. Because all, listen, because we all sin, we all deserve death. We all deserve death. We, 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 we are, we have been separated from a holy, righteous, all-powerful, perfect God. We deserve that because it was our sin. And, and, and folks go, well, you know, it's not, well, God told Adam, take it up with him, don't take it up with God. Take it up with Adam because God told Adam what to do and what not to do. And what did he do? What did they do? They rebelled. And that's what man did. And when he fell into sin, sin came upon all of us, and therefore death came upon all of us. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin, the right payment for sin is death. All our, all our Monday Bible Club kids know that verse. We talked a lot about that, about what is, you know, what is the, the wages of sin. Well, the wages of sin is death, and it's what we deserve. Job 14.5 tells us that there's a day coming. It says, since his days are determined, the number of his months is with you. You have appointed his limits so that he cannot pass. Hebrews 9.27 says, and as it is appointed for men to die once. That's what the scriptures tell us. We're going to die. It is, appointed, uh, 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 it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. So we have a definite time that God has appointed to us. For some, it, it will be earlier in life. Some, it will be later in life. But that's God's business. It's not our business. And it will come in different ways. But we all have the appointment with death. So the, the answer is yes. Death is inevitable. Uh, none of us are getting out of this. I, I was having a conversation this morning. None, what was it? None of us getting out of this alive, right? But I was talking with someone this morning, and, and sometimes people get this idea whether they're 20. I mean, a lot of times when we're younger, we think we're going to live forever. Uh, it seems to be less common to think that when we get a little older. And, and we, man, we, I, I think about how many people that I graduated high school with, 1986. How many of those people ha, have, have gone on? They've, they've passed from this life. And, it, and it, you start realizing, you know what, I'm probably not going to live forever. And then I, then I was th- talking this morning, I was questioning, all right, how many people that were born in, in the 1800s are still alive today? I don't know of any. I don't, if, if there is, it would be somebody 123 years old if it was born on the last day of, of, of 1899. So, you know, we're, we're not getting out of this thing alive. we got to come to that, that realization that we are going to die. But now this is our hope. Again, we go back to verse 21. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die. And we've talked about that. In Adam, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. All of mankind, all of mankind is in Adam. We are in Adam. And Adam is the first fruits of all who will sin and die. But by one man, the man, the God-man, Jesus Christ, all who are in Christ shall be made alive. When, now, in Christ, okay? Notice here, it's a very important distinction. Everyone who has ever lived is in Adam. Everyone save Jesus Christ is in Adam. Everybody in Adam, which means we inherit his sin, we inherit his death. But not everyone is in Christ. Okay, so that's the distinction. I remember years ago, my brother, 
was reading this verse, and he called me up, and we were talking about it. And he's like, I don't understand this. You know, why isn't everybody saved? Because it says here, in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Well, here's the deal. All, all shall be made alive that are in Christ. Spiritually will be made alive in Christ. Okay? So not everyone is in Christ, and we're going to see that in a moment. And Colossians 1.18 says, And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. Because of his atoning work on the cross, because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, that atoning sacrifice, shedding his blood to cover our sin, to, to be the propitiation for our sin, to take the wrath of God and to satisfy that, that just wrath against sin that Jesus did for us when he rose from the dead. Listen, he is first in all things. Everything he has preeminence. Everything. Verse 23, but each one in his own order. First, uh, Christ, the first fruits afterward, those who are Christ at his coming. Everything's going to be done in order. Jesus would be the first to rise, and he did that 2,000 years ago. Over 2,000 years ago now. Jesus rose from the dead. He was the first fruits. He was the first of the resurrection. David Jeremiah once said this. He said, there's no other religion anywhere in the world that offers an empty tomb as its salvation. There's no other religion that has people lined up for hours in Jerusalem or elsewhere to look at the empty place where their leader is no longer. No other religion in the world. Every one of them, they're following some dead guy, some lunatic. Some liar. They're not following the Lord because Jesus is the only Lord. Many pilgrims still go to Jerusalem. Hmm? I was there. Many go to Jerusalem just to see the place where Jesus isn't. Isn't that strange? It's not they go to see Jesus. They go to see where he isn't because he isn't. It doesn't matter where we go. And there's debate on whether the tomb that we go to at the garden tomb is actually the tomb that Jesus would have been in. They don't claim that it is, but they claim that it, it meets a lot of the scriptural descriptions. It, it could well be. Then there's the other tomb where you could go and you can look there. And you know what? To me, it doesn't matter. Because when I go, it's kind of like when we do, when we do communion. It's a memorial. I go and I, and I know this. It doesn't matter because his body ain't in any tomb. It was in some tomb, but it's not in any tomb now. But people go over there. Multitudes go just to, vi to visit that empty tomb. And so um, now see this. So Jesus was the first to rise. And then the verse says, Afterward, those who are Christ's at his coming. So he's told us, here's the first fruits. Jesus is the first fruits. He rose from the dead. He rose from the dead. He's the first fruits. There's going to be a multitude of others that are going to rise from the dead. And, the, and so those that, the, who's next then? Those who are Christ at his coming. Folks, that's you. That's you, you child of God. That's you, you born again, you truly born again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's you. So that means we're next. And when will that be? That's the question everyone wants to know, right? Well, the Lord has told us we're not going to know. The, 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 the scriptures make it clear the Lord doesn't know. God will turn to him and say, go get him, and he'll come get us. John 14, verse, uh, verse 1 through 3 says, let, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. When the Lord left, He went to prepare a place for us. Man, it must be some place. 
Because he, he, God Almighty, has been building for, for 2,000 plus years now, preparing a place for us. Verse 3, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Who said that? Jesus, Jesus said that. I can, I can take that to the bank. He's coming again and, and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may uh, be also. Jesus promised his return to receive us. When? Well, it's at his coming. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16 through 18. Write that down. Go back and read it later. Verse 14, uh, 16 through 18. For the Lord himself, the Lord himself, not sending somebody to get us. He's coming. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. The dead in Christ. So those that, listen... I didn't have it in here, but understand this. What happens when we die? When I die, the moment I'm dead, when my spirit leaves my body, my spirit is with the Lord. The Bible says very clearly, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We are, we are, we're with the Lord. So what's going to happen here is the dead in Christ will rise first. Their body will rise. When the rapture, when the Lord calls, their body's going to come up. People say, you know, people ask the question, uh, is cremation, is that a bad thing? Should we get cremated? I, don't, I can't find anything in Scripture that says there's a problem with that. If there's a problem with that, then those believers who died on 9-11 in those towers, there would, be a, there would be a problem with that. But the Lord has no issue putting that body back together. And I think I was sharing that a couple of Wednesday nights ago, that I, I'm debating now being cremated. And I want Gina to scatter my body everywhere. Because I, I, when the Lord calls and he puts it back together, I want to see it all. Be like one of these movies where you see <laughs> everything's coming together and this body forms. I mean, I, I, I'm just like, yeah, if I'm going to experience it, I want to experience it. All right, I'm weird, I know. But the dead in Christ will rise, their bodies will rise, and their spirit is going to meet in the air. And they'll become, come back together, their body will, will be, the Lord's going to do that. And then we who are alive and remain. Now, it ain't, but I don't think it's going to be like that happens and we watch the bodies go up and, you know, we're watching them go up. Well, I wonder when we go. And, you know, I think it's going to be like that. They're going to go up and we're going to go up. And we're going to see them, all that. We're going, we're going to be going up with them. Then, then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Amen. Amen. Tr where's Trish? If she's in the back, I, I hate that. Because Trish would be, amen, amen. She'd be all excited down here, bouncing in her seat and stuff. Well, you talk about the rapture. We were talking about that on Wednesday nights. Trish gets excited. I love it. We should get excited. We ought to be looking for that. And we ought to keep us, you want to talk about, you look for the Lord's return at any moment. You grasp that reality. I mean, you really grasp that. It'll change the way you live your life. It'll change the way every breath you, you take, everything you do. It'll change that. We'll meet in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. That is comforting words. Folks, the Lord's coming to get us. And the junk that's down here, I don't care how good life is down here, it is just, ugh. Right? At best, this is, ugh. Who wants, that? Who wants this to be, oh, this is so great, I don't want to leave this. I'll take the next train ride up, right? Load me up, I'll go. I'm ready to be with the Lord. We, and we call, so this is what we call the rapture, and this is our blessed hope, and, and that time is drawing closer every moment. 
We have never been this close to the Lord's return before. Never. And you know what? Right now, we've never been this close to the Lord's return before. It's just amazing. Every, every second, we're, we're that much closer to the Lord's return. Man, this ought to fire us up. This ought to comfort us. Amen? Amen. This, is, this is the good stuff. This is the good stuff. And this will motivate us to live our lives righteously. This will motivate us to do the things that the Lord wants us to do. Because I don't want to be embarrassed when the Lord comes back. I don't want my, my hand in the cookie jar. I don't want to be dabbling in sin. I don't want to be walking in rebellion. I don't want to have a rotten attitude. I don't want to be having a fight with the, the person in the McDonald's drive-thru because they didn't put ketchup in my bag. I mean, how silly is all these things that we think are so important? Man, we'll get our eyes on the Lord's imminent return. Amen? Amen. Amen. Then we go to Revelation 20. Verse 4 through 6 says, And I saw thrones, and they, and, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Listen, Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus. And for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image. These are folks, these are the martyrs in the tribulation period. These are the tribulation martyrs. They had not worshipped the beast. They had stayed true to the Lord Jesus. And, and John is writing, he says, I saw them, I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And listen, look what it says there. Well, you can't see it. Let me tell you what it says there. Go back and read Revelation 20, verse 4. And it says, and they lived. It's not just a, it, there's a distinction there between their spirit. He saw their, he saw their souls. But then he says, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. They'll reign. They'll be put together with their bodies. Their bodies will be brought back up, put together, and they're going to live, folks. Physically, they're going to live and reign with Christ for a thousand years. Verse 5, But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. If you, that means you, in the first resurrection, if you go in the first resurrection, it means you're born again. It means you're saved. It means you're going to spend eternity with heaven. Over such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. So the first resurrection began with Jesus on that first resurrection morning, and it's going to end with us uh, when we join the Lord Jesus. And the first resurrection has already started. According to the Scriptures, the first resurrection will be in several stages. So, again, we see Jesus was resurrected, and then there's the rapture. And then at the end of the tribulation, there are those, the martyred saints are going to be put that together, they are going to live. And then at the end of the millennium, at the, at the very end, the, the saved who died during the millennium, they will be resurrected. So all these believers through all these times are going to be resurrected and put together with their, with their soul. But... The second resurrection is, the, is at the end of time, and, of those, and, and it's of those who do not belong to Christ. So those bodies of those who were not born again, their body will remain in the grave. It's going to be there through all of this till the very, very end. The redeemed are resurrected to life in the first resurrection. All others, the condemned dead, will rise in the last resurrection to judgment and torment. Folks, it's, it's one of two things. We can worry about our 401k. We can worry about all the things in this life that really are insignificant. 
Because all that really matters is it's heaven or it's hell for all of eternity. This is, some of us who are getting older in age, we're beginning to realize that life is very brief. It's, 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 a, it's, it's brief. It flies. Fred, did it fly by? The last, I mean, just, you could go 30 years and go, wow. Gene and I have been married this past, last week, um, week and a half, no, it was, yeah, a week and a half ago, was, was 27 years we'd been married. And, and it seems like two minutes for her, two minutes underwater, two minutes. <laughs> for, for, me, for me, it's just, I mean, we just, but we did, we just got married. We just got married, and it's 27 years. We were riding down the road the other day. I said, I'm about to be 55. 15 years. I go back 15 years. That's nothing. 15 years. That was us going to Indiana. 15 years. Another 15 years, I'm going to be 70. That's still young. That's still young. Don't... Yes. Amen. I want to get an amen. Yeah. It's still young, but it ain't, but it ain't as young as it used to be. Amen. 70 is the new 30, isn't it? <laughs> Folks, the only thing that matters is it's heaven or hell. That's all that matters. And that's a fact that's mentioned through all, throughout the scriptures, throughout the Bible. So our future hope as believers is Jesus, uh, in Jesus Christ is wrapped up in the resurrection of Jesus. Our hope is it's all wrapped up in his resurrection. Why? Because Jesus rose from the dead, and he is the first fruits of those who will rise later. Uh, now, I'm not a big fan of I'm not a big fan of some versions of scripture. Y'all, y'all know that, and I'm not a big fan of paraphrase scripture. If you want to read something for just just casually or something, great. Don't make don't look, the message. Don't make the message your Bible that you study out of, and you you try to that that's it's a paraphrase. So don't don't use that as your primary study source. But there's the way, the way he translates this, this verse, his paraphrase of this verse, verse 20 here in chapter 15. I like it. I want to read it to you. It says, But the truth is that Christ has been raised up, the first in a long legacy of those who are going to leave the cemeteries. Amen? Amen. He's the first. He was the first that rose. And because he was the first fruits, we have hope that we will rise. Pastor Aaron, you can come. Anybody seen Pastor Aaron? <laughs> I was looking for him this morning. We had a new guy up here singing. I didn't know who would. Who, I thought, wow, that's crazy. He looks good, doesn't he? Yeah. Amen. <laughs> He's probably feeling a little naked right now. Naked. Yeah, without that, with all that, it's just a different thing. Um, this is our question this morning as we wrap this up. Are you part of those who are in Christ. Are you, are you in Christ? Because that's all that matters. This morning, that is, that is it. Do you belong to Jesus? Have you come into a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ through repentance and faith? Have you come to that place where you realize, I am lost I need to be saved. I cannot do it. He's the only way.